Today we discuss the topic overcoming the fear of risk. Now, for those of you in business, you understand risk if you're successful. And for those of you that have been struggling in your business, this might be the key component that you really need to understand. So stay tuned. We're going to discuss how risk can actually help you in personal growth and help your business. Are you ready? Let's dig deeper. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. We're so glad you tuned in and uh, we're so amazed of how many shares we got in the last podcast, uh, especially the one on uh, your ability, your God-given ability to create wealth, got an explosion of shares. So we thank you uh, for all your shares. We know that's going to impact a lot of people. And um, so this topic today, overcoming the fear of risk, is a really essential thing to understand. And we're going to give you different components. This is really going to help your mindset, your personal growth, your personal development, uh, because this topic is really essential to a thriving business. So whatever you are trying to accomplish for God that you're trying to build, you need this as an entrepreneur. You need to understand this mindset shift that we're going to talk about. So yeah, this week we're continuing our series on fear, and this week it's the fear of risk, so how to overcome the fear of risk. But before we start, I'd like to give a short definition of what risk is, or what it it is said to be in the dictionary. So the dictionary says that risk is a situation involving exposure to danger. Since we've been on planet Earth, you and I, dear listeners, we've all encountered all kinds of situations that we quickly evaluate as being either risky or not, whether as an entrepreneur or whether just in everyday life. Just think about the following for a moment. Just think, go back in your mind at the first time you tried to ride your bike without training wheels. That was a risk. And you knew it as a risk. That's why most kids are scared. <laughs> Think about the first time you jumped off the high board at the public, uh, the public uh, pool. Most people are scared. They, they get on that high board and, and, and unless there's people in the back telling them to go ahead and jump, they could stay there for 10 or 15 minutes and maybe even decide not to jump because we fear the risk. Think about the when you learned to drive and took the wheel on the highway for the first time. I remember that time. I was really nervous. <laughs> I felt like I was risking, taking a big risk. 
think also, uh, look back on when you fell in love the first time and you went out on a limb to tell the person that you loved them. That is a very uh, real fear of rejection there. We feel like we're taking a risk. We feel like we're taking the risk of being rejected, that the person won't reciprocate and say, I, I love you too. So these are all situations, uh, they're all situations where your brain was telling you, watch it, this is risky, you could get hurt. And years later, what happens? Well, years later, for some reason, we don't fret or think twice when we get on a bike or take the wheel of our car every morning to go to work or telling our spouse, I love you. Why? Because we have grown accustomed to taking those risks. We've done it over and over again and they're no big deal after a while. So we have, in essence, overcome the fear of risk, although it is still technically a risk. You can still fall off your bike. You know, you could still get in an accident when you take the wheel of your car. And when you tell your spouse, I love you, she might not reciprocate. Right, Liz? <laughs> yes. Or <laughs> in many cases, a lot of people are very scared to get in a new relationship because they've been burned by other relationships. And so they see that as a huge risk of getting hurt and decide to not pursue a relationship because their fear is stronger than their will to love again. Yeah. And now I'd like to talk about real risk versus perceived risk. There are definitely things that can harm you in a real way, like jumping off a building or driving your car in rush hour at breakneck speeds or maybe uh, jumping in the bear enclosure at your local zoo. Those are real risks. They could definitely and in you getting badly injured or, de or dead. So it's a real risk. However, there are also perceived risks. And as believers and entrepreneurs, we rarely encounter life or death situations. Uh, I don't know anybody who's going to go on top of a building and try to jump unless they're trying to commit suicide. Uh, we, we rarely encounter a bear. And uh, so we don't have those life and death situations most days. So we rarely have to deal with real risk. Let's be honest. What our minds perceive as risk are oftentimes just things that move us out of our comfort zones. Right. For example, making the tough phone calls to potential customers. We see this as a risk. We're afraid. We're like, I don't want to do it. But it's not a risk. It's, there's nothing dangerous about it. And, you know, what's the worst that could happen? They might think you're an idiot. So what? Move on, right? Uh, doing a YouTube video for your business. That's another uh, thing we can, in our minds, amplify and perceive as a risk. So we get afraid. Oh, I'm not going to do that. What are they going to think? What's my friends going to say when they see it? Or whatever the, we might amplify in our minds and see that as a risk. Or investing in a costly training to better yourself. Like if you see that there's a training out there that really at face value, you've heard tons of good about it. You know that it's going to help you. It is costly, but you do have the money. But you, you just, you don't, you're not willing to risk the investment. You're scared to put the money on it. For some reason, you have, you're afraid of risking put that cash on it just in case it doesn't bring you the desired results. 
there's also other types of risks, such as uh, joining a group of friends in a smart investment venture. Uh, you know, sometimes friends, entrepreneur friends of yours will come to you and say, hey, there's a great uh, investment that we've been doing that's been really bearing fruit, and we'd like to be, you to be in on it. And we it, here's what uh, they show you the books. They show you that they did indeed succeed at it, that it worked. It's a risk because it's a it's an investment and there's some risk associated with it. They have the proof that it works, so it's a sound investment, it's a good one, but then we're still afraid some, somehow, you know? You, you're still not willing to put that, that amount of money down and, and you're like, what if it doesn't work? I'm scared. So that's the fear of risk that is probably more the falls in the category of perceived risk and not real risk. Which is basically... Um, we see that in, in many spheres of our life is that you don't have a guaranteed uh, result. So there's exactly. a, many times in your life you take risks and you don't have a guaranteed result, but sometimes the love of whatever it is you're pursuing or uh, you, you the belief in it is so strong, you're willing to outweigh the risk. You're willing to say, you know what, I, I believe it's worth the risk. And other things, you're going to say, no, that's kind of scary and I'm not sure and I don't, I don't know if I want to lose an amount of money or I don't know if I want to invest a certain amount of time to not have this guarantee. For example, when I began dating Elizabeth, I had been burned badly by a previous relationship and I, I was scared. I was on the brakes. I was, and yet she was, she was a real prize. and yet I had that fear of risk of getting hurt again but it was a perceived risk it wasn't a real risk because Elizabeth had the best of intentions and she was a serious young woman so if we take our, our template parable which is the parable of the talents the wicked and lazy servant in the parable was deathly afraid of risk and, and we're going to explore that later, but at face value, if you take it, the one in Matthew, the account in Matthew and the account in Luke, he's afraid of getting up, going to invest the bag of money, the bag of the talents, the bag of gold, and he fears losing money. And he fears upsetting the master. So what does he do? He goes and buries it in the ground. So the fear of risk, it's a perceived risk, makes him do a foolish Thing, or brings him to basically inaction because burying the, the talent is basically making it fruitless and it's basically equated with inaction. In the same way, oftentimes when we don't take action, when we don't face the risk or the perceived risk in most cases, we are inactive. We don't take action. So how do we overcome the fear of risk then? So how do we do that, Liz? So I want to share with you the five-second rule. So Mel Robbins, in her excellent book, The Five-Second Rule, explains the thought process that happens in our brain when faced with a new situation or a situation that we may conclude is risky. What is the five-second rule, you ask? Well, basically, the five-second rule is simple. If you have an instinct to act on a goal, you must physically move within five seconds or your brain will kill it. So that's the definition of the five-second rule. So if you have an instinct to act on a goal, you must physically move within five seconds or your brain will kill it. Why is that? Well, our brains are there to serve us, but sometimes they really play against us, especially in your entrepreneurial journey. 
You see, when it's a real risk, jumping off a, a high cliff or engaging Walking in a, a dangerous, a physically dangerous, <laughs> engaging in a physically dangerous activity, your brain will basically serve you by saying, "This is risky. Don't do it." And then you're going to back off from doing it and therefore protect yourself. You'll be protected from doing something that could have harmed you. Right. But So it's good for real risk. Your brain serves you in that situation. But how many times a day do you encounter real risks? Mm-hmm. I mean, we live in a, uh, most of us, we don't live in a, in a dangerous setting where our lives are in danger every day. So we don't, our, we don't need our brain to do, that, so to do this on our behalf. So when we encounter perceived risk, guess what? Your brain doesn't know the difference between real risk and perceived risk. So your brain will see it just as dangerous to jump off in the enclosure of a bear in a zoo. She'll, it'll see that as dangerous, but it'll also make no difference if you start having reser- reservations about doing or filming that YouTube video that you've been wanting to do. So your brain will back you out of it by giving you excuses, acting as a, like a, a protector of, hey, this is dangerous, don't do it, you're going to get hurt, this is risky. And that's just what God equipped us with in our minds to protect us from real risk. But when it comes to perceived risk, it really doesn't serve us. Yeah, and I want to add to this, I mean, a lot of people, especially now uh, with entrepreneur entrepreneurship being... Um, all over social media, you have to put yourself out there. Some of you are introverts and you're thinking, well, how are people gonna notice me if I wanna grow my business? I have to put myself out there, but I'm so scared. Um, And you know, that's a fear of risk. And the risk is the emotional attachment because you're scared of what people think. Uh, you're scared of, you know, comments, people commenting things on your videos. Like you've built all these fears around that, that in reality, it's a perceived fear, uh, a perceived risk that you're going to get hurt in some way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people struggle with this. And that's why I want you to really understand what he's explaining that, you know, in reality, yes, there's always a risk to many things we do in life to get hurt emotionally. But unless you take those action steps, unless you put yourself out there, then you're not going to be able to grow your business. So you have to look at the risk and what it's going to cost you if you don't put yourself out there in this case. Yeah. And and Mel Robbins explains it so well in the five second rule that basically it's a small, small window of opportunity that you have to act before your brain kicks in and really uh, brings it on. In other words, uh, tells you, don't do that, it's risky. And So you have that five-second window where you can actually take action regardless of the perceived risk. Yeah, and, I'll she just... ex- and she explains it. She explains it well. So she basically says, when you feel yourself hesitate before doing something that you know you should do, count five, four, three, two, one, go. And then get in action mode. Do it. So there's a window that exists between the moment you have that inspiration, oftentimes a Holy Ghost-led inspiration, to change and to do something that will bring you to the next level, and your mind killing it. So between the Holy Ghost giving you direction and your mind 
making excuses on your behalf, trying to quote unquote protect you, it kind of plays against it. But of course, the Holy Ghost is, is more of a searing thing. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to haunt you if you don't act. It's going to come back. It's not just a one-time thing. But it's still good to act on it right away. Or sometimes it's just a good idea. It doesn't necessarily have to come from the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you get good ideas on your own. <laughs> you know, God equipped you with a brain to get these ideas. Or sometimes but, you hear other people, other entrepreneurs that have had success giving you ideas and suggestions. Yeah. And because it's not something that you're comfortable per se of doing just because it's new, not because it's so awful, but because it's new. And so sometimes you hear this idea and you're like, oh, wow, that worked for their business. That would be awesome if I did that. And then you get excited and then you stop yourself and then you say, oh, but that would mean I'd have to do this and this and this. And then what would happen? And then you get all these excuses and then you see all these negative feelings, negative thoughts. And then you say, oh, finally, I guess I won't do that. Screw it. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And then you don't grow. Yeah, exactly. So when you go five, four, three, two, one, go and you do the thing, not overthinking it, just like doing it. I got a great idea. Start, start working on it. Write it down. Expand on it. Do the thing. Then chances are you're going to really get it done. But if you wait, if you let the five seconds pass, then you're self-sabotaging yourself. Into what? Into inaction. So if you don't take action on your instinct or your inspiration or your idea to do it fast, you're going to stay stagnant. You will not change. But if you do this one simple thing, you can prevent your mind from working against you. You can start the momentum before the barrage of thoughts and excuses hit you at full force. Okay? So that's what, that's what we're telling you right now. So five seconds is all it takes to make it or break it. And that's why, you know, her book was such a revolution. It's not because her concept was new. because this She concept... got that from NLP. She got that from studying, you know, yeah. scientists and what they say about the brain. Exactly. It's just that she put, out, put it out there and she was such a good spokesperson about um, encouraging people to do it that when people actually said, you know what, I'm going to do this. It like almost became a movement. And so many people started doing it and sharing their stories of how that ripple effect changed from one simple action step, how their lives are different because they applied this rule. Absolutely. And it really does work. When you feel the, the fear of risk, just do it. I mean, action is a magic word. And the five-second rule really serves us well in, in taking action. So now let's go back to the parable of the talents that is our template for this teaching series on fear. In the parable of the talents, as we know, there's a version in Luke and there's a version in Matthew. But in the version recorded in the Gospel of Luke, which is found in chapter 19, verses 11 to 27, the servants of the master are given a very clear instruction by their master before he leaves to his journey. It says in verse 13 in the New International Version, it says, so he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minus. See, they're called minus in the parable of the talents. They're called minus in Luke, which is also a sum of money. And he says, put this money to work, he said, until I come back. In the King James Version, he says to them, occupy till I come, which is to say, engage in business. 
Get busy until I come back. Get to work. So he gave them a specific instruction in order for them to bear fruit for him using the finances he left behind for them to manage. And likewise, we all, as believers and children of the Most High, receive specific instructions from God from time to time. And these instructions are from our Father and King, and they have the purpose of us bearing fruit and establishing His kingdom. So these ideas, when they come, these God-given instructions for our lives, should be acted upon. Okay, they shouldn't, obeying the master, obeying God, should never be seen as a risk. So whatever God asks of us, we should do, even if we feel that it's a risk. Can it be scary what he asks us? Sometimes. Will it take you out of your comfort zone? Probably. Is it optional? Absolutely not. You've probably heard the saying somewhere, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Or maybe you've heard, where God leads, he provides. In other words, when God asks us to do something, he rarely shows us the end result. He rarely shows us ahead of time what this will, will do for us. We can have a glimpse of it. We, that's why it's called faith. So he asks us to do a thing. We know it's a good idea. But we don't have a guarantee it's going to work. We think it's going to work. Like when it comes from the Holy Ghost, you're like, well, you know, yeah, I should do this because I feel it's God stirring me in that direction. But the fear oftentimes is, what if? The fear of risk. What if mm -hmm. I'm self-deluded? What if I didn't really hear God? What if uh, I spend this money and I lose it all? Or what if I start this business and it doesn't work? Or what if, what if, what if, what if? All the risks that come up, the perceived risks that come up in our minds. The Bible tells us that he who is in you is stronger than he who is in the world. This is so important for believers to understand. The Bible also tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So see, these are risk enablers. When you understand who's living within you, you understand that your resources, your, your resources inside of you, are what? They're limitless, right? When you understand that the God of the universe is within you and he's guiding you in a direction and you're really conscious that, hey, he's living within me. This power, this incredible power, this God of the universe is within me and he's asking me something, we should be very bold if yeah. we really realize who we are and who's living within us. You know, I think that's very powerful what you just said. And um, you don't become bold and powerful in your faith and in your walk with God if you don't take risks. So you have to walk by faith. Oftentimes, it's walking in a way that you don't know the end result. You cannot see that far ahead. You don't know what's going to happen. But God puts this this um, inspiration inspiration or idea. or idea inside of you and you know it's like just nagging at you you just know you have to do this thing and uh you you know deep inside that it probably will work but there's always these negative beliefs and the devil kind of telling you eh, 
You know, what if it doesn't? What if you lose your money? What if you yeah. put all this time and effort? Your wife doesn't really agree with this. Um, she's not sure about this either. Or your friends and family are mocking you, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it, the list never ends, it right? It goes on and on. It goes on and on. So you have to learn to take, you know, that uh, gut, um, Holy Spirit feeling inside of you and remember that. So when you get to those negative beliefs and you're kind of talking yourself down, you stop yourself and you say, no, I remember God showed me this. He spoke to my heart. I know I have to do this. I have to walk by faith, work on your mindset, work on, on your faith on growing your faith. And you know, that's been a real, real key um, to us walking boldly in a lot of things that we've made big, big decisions that have uh, impacted our whole family Absolutely. was really walking by faith because every time every time we made this move we built our faith to make the move yeah. and then not knowing the next step and just trusting God that he would show us the next step and and you know continue to grow our faith until we we would see more of the plan that he put uh, ahead of us so it's really a walk by step process and you don't see the end result as you're going through it. So, um, you know, you just have to, to follow him and work your faith, uh, build your faith. People don't understand that. They think that there's nothing that they need to do. But you really need to listen to a lot of teachings and sermons on, on building your faith, on growing your faith. Charles Caps is an amazing teacher you can listen to on YouTube. Uh, who else, Sebastian, would you recommend? That's Ken, a really good Kenneth Hagen explaining faith. Is is amazing in that respect. I really liked his teachings for the longest time. Uh, Charles Caps, you mentioned, very very good as well. Another old one is John G. Lake, uh, who has tremendous teachings on faith. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, his book These is very men good. were men of faith. They had a spiritual gift of faith, which enabled them to do to to do things which were very bold for God. But it's not because they had the spiritual gift of faith that we have to cop out and say, well, they had the gift, I don't, so forget about it. No, we're still called to exercise our faith, exercise like doing a, a training regimen daily in all kinds of uh, things that God asks us. And, and you know, Elizabeth was mentioning earlier how many things we did that bore fruit because we went out in faith. But to be honest, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, as an entrepreneur, there's probably just as many things that I did not act on and that as a result could have brought my business to a much higher level than it is now and that I should have acted on because I let the fear of risk handicap me. And that's between me and God. And I know someday you have the judgment. He's probably going to point it out and I'm going to feel sheepish for it. But it's the truth, right? And and I know I'm not alone in that respect. I know uh, we all struggle at times in following uh, ideas, inspirations, directions from the Lord because we're faithless. We're too scared because fear is the opposite of faith, right? And that that is huge because when you walk in fear, automatically you don't walk in faith. No. And people think that fear is normal because it's it is a you know it is a part of the way. Unfortunately human beings are kind of built but at the same time it's a it's a downside like it's a downside of sin basically and so when you walk in faith you have to think when you're fearful walking in fear i'm not in faith exactly. so you have to stop yourself and say why do i feel this way why am i so scared 
If I'm so scared, I'm not walking in faith. And when you kind of redirect yourself and say, no, I should not be fearful. I know God's got my back. I can do this. There you go. It's a very different mindset shift that you're doing. And well, for example, when you understand your purpose, your calling, when you know you are a child of destiny, when you, you have a very clear picture of what you're supposed to accomplish, what your kingdom assignment is, you will be so much more bolder than if you didn't. Uh, let's take King David, for example. You know, we're all raving about how, like I've heard so many sermons on, on the, the epic battle he had with Goliath and how that was a tremendous example of faith. But don't forget, King David had been told by the prophet before that that he was going to be crowned king. And that was a word from God. That was a prophecy from God through his prophet to tell David, I've got your back. You're going to become king. So he knew, I'm facing that giant, but I can't die because guess what? God promised me I'm going to be king. And I'm not king yet. I've got this with God. I mean, this is it. But when you understand that you didn't accomplish your assignment yet, it hasn't been done yet, and yet God made it very clear what your assignment was, well, you should be bold in order to get there, to get to the assignment. So any obstacle in, in front of you should be seen as something that you can overcome. Why? Because I didn't get to, I didn't get to complete the assignment that God told me I was put on earth to do yet. Exactly. So we forget that little detail, which is so important. That emboldened David so much because he knew, like, I'm not going to die today. <laughs> I mean, I can't die today. God told me I'm going to be king. Exactly. And for those of you that, you know, all you have to do is open your Bible and look at God's promises. They're directed towards you. They are made for you. And that's where you need to be. That's when I say you need to strengthen your faith. You need to reread God's promises um, regularly so that you know your worth, so that you, you believe in his promises and you focus on that and not on your circumstances around you that look negative. Because if you don't do that, if you don't walk by faith saying, Lord, and praying to God and say, Lord, I know you have something better for me. Show me the plan. And, and you're just like wallowing in your pity and just woe is me looking at your circumstances and throwing a pity party. Um, you know, how do you want God to work with that? It's very difficult for him to show you a plan because your, your mind is not in the right place. Yeah, and the Bible tells us over and over again everything that we've been given. In other words, you have it already. But when we're in fear, when we're in doubt, we're just not holding on to it and walk working with that with assurance that, yeah, God said it. I've got it. i got to move forward now and do it. The God who is in you emboldens and empowers you to do what your mind perceives as a risk. You know, I... As kingdom citizens, we must come to see risk as an illusion. The very real hallucination around risk-taking most people operate from is that there is a lack of resources within them. But when you understand that the God of the universe lives within you, there is no lack of resources within you. So that's why the Bible says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So the illusion or lie is that we think ourselves incomplete for the task and yet god has made us complete very important okay so now let's talk about the parable of the talents so the servant 
in the parable is scared of many things, but they are all the wrong things. And in Luke, we get an extra layer to the story that is missing from the gospel, the story as said in the gospel of Matthew. We get a clearer picture in Luke of what scares him. And here it is. It's in verses 14 and 15. But his subjects, so speaking of the, the master, the, 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 the master who was supposed to go to that foreign land and be made king, but his subjects hated him. And they sent a delegation after him to say, they basically say to the servants who were left behind, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. So it's a very interesting twist that we have in Luke that we don't have in Matthew. See, in Matthew, we're not told about the subjects who hate the king, who don't want the king to rule over them. So the people who hate the king, those are to be blunt, the Antichrists. Those who rule our fallen world, who are in allegiance with the devil, so who rule in high places. Uh, the unbelievers, actually who are like fervent unbelievers, atheists, postmodernists, and who deny the kingship of Christ. Okay? And the wicked and lazy servant in the story got scared of bearing financial fruit for his master. Because here's the thing. If he made money for the master while the master was gone, what would that do? That would expand the master's influence, the master's power, the master's kingdom expansion, I guess you could say. So he was afraid that he might get in trouble with those wicked people who came after and said, we don't want this guy to be king. And so they basically that was their way of saying, you better not make him money. You better not in, in, invest and get him to strengthen his grip. Okay, so bear, bear fruit for him or make it work. So there was a risk of displeasing the enemies of the master. By taking a stand and using the money to make the master's possessions increase, it would expand his kingdom and influence. And his enemies resented that, and they made it quite clear. So, by obeying their master's command and engaging in business until he came back, those who were good servants, those who did that, there was a risk. And it was no small risk. They, you know, it's, it's almost, basically, you could almost see it in the story intertwined. That there's a risk, like, like a threat. They're like threatened. You know, so they're scared. But the servants who are faithful did it anyway. So in the end, those who feared God rather than men were told by the master when he was crowned and came back as king, they were told, well done, my good servant. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge now of ten cities. So he gave them rulership over his kingdom now. So this is a very, very interesting twist that we have in Luke that we don't have in Matthew. But the one who said, who said that he feared the master, but in, in reality he didn't, the wicked servant, the lazy and wicked servant, he, he said that he was afraid of the master 
because the master uh, sows where he uh, reaps where he doesn't sow and all that. So that was his excuse. So you get that in Luke. You don't get that in Matthew as clearly. So when the master came back, the master said, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? If that's true, basically, Jesus is saying, if that's true, why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. In other words, they're telling him, like, why are you giving him more? He already has ten. He's the, the richest among your servants. And he replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine, this is very interesting now, because in the parable, I'm reminding you guys, this is a parable, okay? But these are words of the king. This is Jesus speaking in the parable. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Now, this probably in the scriptures has probably to, is probably one of the harshest sayings of Jesus. I mean, this is not oh, the sweet, loving and kind Jesus, hippie looking with long hair who sits with kids. And, and you know, the pictures we get sometimes in religious, when you go in religious bookstores, they, they might have pictures of Jesus sitting with kids and all lovey-dovey. And this is the master taking possession of his kingdom, coming back and asking for us to give an account. This is a big deal. And those enemies who did not want him to be king are going to get the harsh treatment that's coming to them. Uh, so I thought this was so interesting in the parable of the talents or the minus found in Luke, which has an extra dimension. So he's the servant is basically scared. If I obey my master, I'm going to get in trouble with the world. And so many Christian entrepreneurs think like that. I've seen that fear of man rather than the fear of God in so many Christian entrepreneurs. And I'm not saying you should necessarily make your business full-out Christian with big neon signs saying we love Jesus. But I have seen many times Christian entrepreneurs who are afraid to mention that they read something in the Bible, or who are afraid to post a verse that they have in their heart that they want to share, but they're not, ah, I'm going to offend people if I post that. They're afraid to take a stand for God because they want to please men rather than God. So they're basically afraid of the risk, what it will mean to risk, to go on on that limb and say, I stand with Christ. I stand with the Master, the one who has left, who will come back one day, the one who is gone right now, but who will come back and take possession of his kingdom. I take a stand for him. My business is honoring him. I'm doing business. I'm occupying till he comes. And my business ultimately serves him. He is my CEO. So many believers, so many Christian entrepreneurs out there are scared to show themselves bold 
for God because they fear uh, those who say, we don't want him to rule over us. And, and I'm going to share with you guys a business that's well known. I'm talking to men here probably, some women maybe, but mostly men. If you're into hunting or hiking, maybe you've bought a buck knife. They have all kinds of knives. They have pocket knives, folding knives. Uh, my wife gave me a wonderful gift a few years back on my birthday. She bought me a nice buck knife and the, the buck knife, the most popular one that, that is very uh, the, the best seller. And uh, it's wonderfully, wonderfully made knife, very well balanced, uh, a great piece of equipment for any hiker, hunter, even if for, for fishermen, if you want to open the fish up and whatever. But what I love the most about my buck knife, and I didn't know at the time, is I didn't know that buck knives were a Christian company who wants to honor the king. And I found this piece of paper. When I opened the box, there was this piece of paper tucked away. So I found this piece of paper, and here's what it read. And, I, and I'm going to read it to you guys because I think it's so powerful. It said this, If this is your first buck knife, welcome aboard. You are now part of a very large family. We think of each one of our users as a member of the buck knives family. Now that you are family, you might want to know a little more about us. The fantastic growth of Buck Knives Inc. was no accident. From the beginning, we determined to make God the senior partner. In a crisis, the problem was turned over to Him, and He hasn't failed to help us with the answer. Each knife must reflect the integrity of management. If sometimes we fail on our end, because we are human, we find it imperative to do our utmost to make it right. If any of you are troubled or perplexed and looking for answers, may we invite you to look to Him, for God loves you. That is tucked away in every buck knife box. If you buy the larger version of the knife, it's put in there. I was floored, but I, I was overjoyed. I thought this was amazing. I was like, not only am I getting a great knife, but I actually encourage Christian entrepreneurs in the process. Oh, well, my wife, actually, she's the one who bought it. So I congratulated Liz. I said, Liz, you made such a great investment here. This is a kingdom investment. <laughs> but, but what does that do? Every believer that knows that person is a believer uh, wants to encourage them. So if they have the choice to buy a buck knife or another kind of knife, like a Swiss Army knife, who are they going to pick? They're going to pick the buck knife. Yeah. Because they want to encourage Christians. And if you don't put yourself out there, you don't ever talk about your faith, then how are other believers going to even know that they can encourage you? Yeah, so basically they're using the platform of their hunting knives to spread the message of love of God. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And and see, like knives have nothing to do with love. Like, let's be honest. Really. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But they're, they're using that and to spreading... Reach yeah. The kingdom. I think it's fantastic. And I even read online the testimonials of some people who actually took them up, uh, like unbelievers who had gotten the knife either as a gift or bought it and looked looked up, you know, to know more about God or maybe buck knives and, and how they founded the business. And, and guess what? They became saved in the process. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So many Christian on, uh, entrepreneurs are tend to act more like the wicked and lazy servant. And I'm sorry to say this. And I've, I've been there too. I've, I've done my share of, of being afraid of risk, looking like a fool for God, 
But there's severe reprimand that comes from that. And there's also fantastic words of, of glorification, I guess you could say, that will come to those who will take a bold stance and say, I will serve the Lord, like Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my company, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my organization, we will serve the Lord. We don't see it as a risk because we know that he who lives in us is more powerful than he who lives in the world. So don't be afraid to boldly risk for the master investing your, whether it's your, let's take it a more spiritualized, your talents, your abilities to invest them for God, but also uh, your, your money, your real tangible assets, uh, your voice, voicing it out, saying, hey, I'm serving the king who went away on business, who <laughs> went away to be crowned. I'm serving King Jesus. I'm all in. That's what part of being all in, you know, in the treasure in the field, when you, you sell everything you have to get that pearl or to get that treasure, that's what being all in is. And that's what those faithful servants did. They were all in. They put all their money and served their master with it. They went all out and they said, I don't care if we get threats. I don't care if there's these wicked people who don't want him to rule over them. We are obeying. We are doing it. And we don't care about these people because we fear God more than we fear men. Exactly. And you know, you got to think, I mean, most of you listening to this podcast have probably researched stories about successful entrepreneurs and those that are unbelievers all know there's a risk, but they are willing to jump head first and say, you know what, I know there's a risk, but I believe so much into what I'm doing that I'll step forward and apply that action until I get the results I want. And they're doing this just based on their aptitudes, on their capabilities. They, they don't even have God backing them up yeah. in their corner. You guys have this. So you're even more powerful and you can accomplish greater things. It's just about, you know, changing that mindset and understanding that he's your CEO and he's there for you and you need to partner with him every step of the way. Include him in every step of the way in your business. So we hope that this podcast has blessed you. It's got gotten you thinking of all kinds of ways that you can be more bold for Christ and apply the five-second rule and uh, grow your faith. We'll be leaving you resources in the show notes as we always do. All you need to do is go to thrivingonpurpose.com and click on the podcast episode uh, below on that page. You can also sign up to uh, be notified every time we we get out a new episode, you'll be the first to know. So you want to go there, thrivingonpurpose.com. We also have a lot of free resources for you that you'll want to get to uh, grow your faith and help you in your personal development journey. So we hope that uh, you were blessed, be blessed, and thrive on. For more free resources and content, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 